We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. What a crazy week for the Bulls. Truly a roller coaster of emotions. Saw the Bulls blow a 26-point lead to open up the week versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. Saw the Bulls come back from an 18-point deficit to somehow beat the Washington Wizards. I still have no idea how the Bulls pulled off that game. Thank Zach Levine. Thank a really anemic Wizards offense uh, late down the stretch in regulation. And then the Bulls beat the Pistons again on uh, on Saturday night. The Bulls just own the Pistons this year. haven't lost to them, so... Don't look now, Jason, but the Bulls are creeping back into the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Woo! I can't believe I'm saying this. They're 12-19 and 19 overall, but they are only one game out of the eighth seed behind the Orlando Magic, the team they play Monday night. Uh, what, what a week for the Bulls, Jason. What a week indeed. Yeah, the Bulls are in the hunt. The, the, there was a whole thing with the Bears when they were making their ill-fated possible playoff push. The Bears were in the hunt. Now it's the Bulls' turn to be in the hunt with their still bad 12-19 and 19 record, although they are now, after this 2-1 week, they are now 6-5 and five in December. They've been more competitive. They haven't been getting embarrassed, although blowing a 26-point lead against the Thunder is pretty embarrassing. To I mean, that's just so Bulls to go from play a great first half to go up by 26 points against the Thunder aren't bad I know a lot of people thought once they traded Paul George trade Russell Westbrook that they were going to be more of a tanking team but they still have Chris Paul they still have Steven Adams uh and they and they and they the Bulls come out and just whoop their ass for a good portion of the game they go up 26 they still they led by I think they led by 19 still at halftime and then they just Chris Paul owned them down the stretch the the Thunders outscored the Bulls 60-38 to in the second half. I know the Bulls were the victims of some very questionable officiating late in that game. Steven Adams, he's he's kind of a, he's good at, he's good at just kind of fooling refs with like little tricks and stuff that you got to, and Wendell Carter Jr. is not. He always gets screwed by the refs, so controversial call in that game, went against the Bulls late, but again, I'm not blaming the refs for blowing a 26-point lead. So that happens, and then you go in the Wizards game. The Wizards, very shorthanded. They still did have Bradley Beal. They still did have, still have Davis Bertans, who was raining threes all first half. 
But the Wizards are very shorthanded, and they're very bad. One of the worst defensive teams in the league. And the Bulls find themselves down 93-75. to Levine was having a terrible game. The Bulls bench was absolutely atrocious. And the, and the Wizards, they were rolling. They were up 93-75. I actually tweeted when that happened. Uh, right after Wendell Carter Jr. again kind of got shafted on a flagrant foul call. Wizards go up 18. They have the ball with about eight and a half minutes left. And I kind of tweeted it as a joke. Like, oh man, it's the Bulls' turn to pull a comeback here. And slowly but surely, they start coming back. The, the Wizards really weren't doing anything offensively. They were kind of stagnant in the Bulls. They were making a few baskets, but it still seemed like there just wasn't. They were going to run out of time. I think it was a 12-point game with I think like four or five minutes left. It just seemed like they weren't going to have enough gas. Uh, and the, and then the Wizards just kept not scoring. Like Beal was absolutely atrocious. I'll give more credit to Chris Dunn again, who's been playing fantastic defense. Has been and he's been a big part of the Bulls kind of playing playing much better. Just the, the defense in general. The Bulls have had one of the best ranked defenses in the league in December. I think. They're something like second or third. They were second before the Pistons game. They weren't that great in that Pistons game, but I checked uh, before that game. Like I said, they were second in the defensive rating in December. Chris Dunn's been a big part of that. So the Bulls' defense down the stretch was huge. Just shut the Wizards down. Even then, down the, uh, in the last minute, it still looked like the Bulls were going to fall short. Uh, after, uh, the, the Bulls, they missed a few good looks at three that would have tied the game. So uh, they were down three points, I think with like 10 seconds left, something like that. Bertans fouled Zach Levine on a three-pointer. It's a terrible foul. The Wizards had a foul to give. Foul Zach Levine on a three-pointer. He just buries all three free throws. Beal then, who had been, again, he had been awful all night, comes down, uh, nails a mid-range jumper with .5 left. So they're like, oh, this comeback's all for naught. The Bulls, they basically need a miracle to send this game to overtime or win it. Their answers, their prayers were answered because I think it was Isaac Bonga who like just doesn't play much. He's basically forced into playing because the Wizards have all these guys out. Uh, grabs Zach Levine like as the ball is being thrown in. Get, so that's another foul. Like they basically just had to stop a lob from happening to win this game. And Bonga fouls Levine on the inbounds pass. Levine goes to the line, buries two more free throws, and then the Bulls again. And then they got down in the overtime again, and they came back again. They were down 109-106. I think one of the big things from this game, one of the takeaways there was Levine. Again, he did not shoot well in this game at all. I think he shot something like six of twenty-three. He did make those clutch free throws, and then he made some big decisions in the overtime. Last two possessions for the Bulls, after they went down 109-106, runs a nice little pick and roll with Wendell Carter Jr. Gets him, Carter gets the gets the pass, and you remember that that Raptors game where Levine did not make the right pass. This time he makes the right pass to Carter, goes to the free throw line, makes two free throws after the Wizards were called for a, a lane violation on the second one, although the Bulls grabbed the, re, the offensive rebound. Who knows what would happen there, but... After Carter missed that free throw, lane violation goes again, buries that free throw. Beal misses another shot on the other end, and then Levine comes down in transition. Instead of trying to force up a tough shot in contest, uh, contested at the rim, dumps it off to Wendell Carter for the game-winning layup. Beal missed a few opportunities, and the Bulls pull that game out. It was nice to see that type of growth from Zach Levine. And then again, and then he follows that up. Again, the, the Bulls have owned the Pistons and are now 3-0 against them. Uh, he had 33 points against the Pistons. It's a really efficient game. The Bulls, as a team, were fantastic offensively. Talk about they've struggled offensively. They were they are one of the worst offensive offensive teams in the league. But they shot 52%, led by Zach Fiennes, 33 points on nine of 15 shooting, five of seven from three, 10 of 14 from the line. He had five assists, five rebounds. It's a solid overall game. The Bulls had 18 threes. Kobe White finally had another shooting game. He's had a really tough December, but he was fantastic. 
with 19 points, 6 of 10 shooting, 5 of 7 for 3. So the Bulls, while they, they did get behind early against a Pistons team that had no Blake Griffin, although I don't know what that even means because Blake Griffin's been awful this year, but no D-Rose. D-Rose is their best shot creator, especially with Reggie Jackson out still as well. He's probably their best shot creator even when everyone's healthy. So, yeah, they are now 12-19 and 19 in the hunt, a game out of the 8th seed. Like it, it's it's kind of weird as a Bulls fan because we've spent this entire start of the season basically shitting on them uh, and how bad they've been and they've been bad they're they're disappointing and the fact that they're twelve and nineteen now doesn't make anything less disappointing now that they're finally beating some teams that they should be but yeah I mean it's it's just weird uh, kind of a weird place to be as a Bulls fan because th- when you look at these other teams Ricky the Pistons the Magic uh, the Hornets are right there like these teams in the chase with the eighth seed you look at it and it's like these Bulls, at least on paper, should be much better than, or at least clearly better than all of them. And I feel like there's just really no excuse not to get this eight seed now. I know the schedule is tough. The Bulls, we, the Bulls still aren't a good team, but they're looking better. I mean, what what do you think right now about the Bulls possibly being in a chance to get the eight seed, but having possibly a really bad record while doing it? Like, would you be happy about that? Do you think they should get the eight seed against when they're going against all these other crap teams that are fighting for? What do you think? Well, of course the Bulls start to turn it around as soon as I call Boylan the worst head coach in the <laughs> league, which I did following their uh, loss to the Thunder. It just seemed like the timing was right to drop that article. So I just woke up in the morning and uh, typed it out. And to anyone who read that story, shared that story, I want to say thanks because I really only do the burn it all down take once a year. I didn't anticipate that it would be happening this year because <laughs> I was so optimistic coming into the preseason. But, uh, you know, just the way with the, the way the Bulls started the season and, uh, you know, with all the blown leads and crunch time, the, the Thunder game just pushed me over the edge. I felt like uh, I had to be critical of Boylan. So in fairness now, you know, the Bulls are only a game out of the playoff spot. I have been critical of their defensive scheme throughout the years. So have many other analysts. And right now, dude, the Bulls are number nine overall yep. in defensive efficiency. It is pretty crazy that Jim Boylan has built a top 10 defense out of this ultra-aggressive scheme. The Bulls lead the NBA in steals, and it's not even close between them uh, and the next highest team. The Bulls are averaging 9.9 steals a game, and the 76ers are next at 8.6. So uh, pretty remarkable. But at the same time, the Bulls are still 12-19. and 19. They blew a ton of winnable games to get to that point. And like you said, uh, the easy part of the schedule is behind them. And now they have one of the toughest schedules remaining in the Eastern Conference for the rest of the season. So if the Bulls can actually make the playoffs, while I don't think that it would be like a cause for celebration, and I don't really think it would change anything in terms of how the franchise is perceived, uh, they they will have earned it. Uh, And one thing I want to note as we gear up for this Magic game tomorrow so the Magic have been free-falling. They've lost six of their last seven. They've really come back to the pack in terms of the eight seed. But look at who they've lost to. Here, Here's their recent schedule in those last seven games. Lost to the Bucks, the best team in the East. Next game, lost to the Lakers, the best team in the West. Lost to the Rockets. They beat the Pelicans, who are the worst team in the league, or one of them this year. And they lose to Utah, lose to Denver, lose to Portland. So... Uh, the Magic have hit a really tough stretch. I definitely think it's possible that the Magic can, you know, right the ship as the season goes along. I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of their strength of schedule the rest of the way. But after they play the Bulls, they play the 76ers, they play the Bucks. Then they finally start to play some easier teams with Atlanta and Washington. Uh, and that takes us through New Year's Day. So 
You know, it, it, it is fun just to have some stakes again, I guess. But uh, to me, you know, if the Bulls make the playoffs, I still don't feel like it's going to change the outside perception of the organization too much just because, uh, you know, the start of the year has been so disappointing. And, you know, what is nice, though, is that marketing is starting to ball out. Yeah. And I think that that is probably the most encouraging sign for the Bulls moving forward. He was absolutely brutal over his first 20 games. Over his last 10, he's been a whole lot better. So uh, have you noticed anything different in Markkanen's game, or what do you credit this sort of change for him? Because he's really playing much better right now. I mean, some of it, I think, is just making shots. I mean, he was missing just wide-open shots uh, all just like at the beginning of the year. Let's pull up. Actually, first, before I pull up Larry Markkanen's numbers, the Magic looks like... According to this one website, Power Rankings Guru, they have the 21st toughest schedule, so they have more of an easier schedule left. Again, the Bulls are like uh, have one of the hardest schedules left. Uh, actually, no. According to the, uh, Tankathon, says something different. It looks like Magic probably have maybe like middle of the road toughness left, while the Bulls do have one of the toughest schedules left. So it will be tough for the Bulls. You talk about them like earning it. I guess it depends on how many wins it actually takes to get that eight seed. Again, if like if they win like under thirty five and somehow get in, I jo- I tweeted joking about them being like a thirty four and forty eight Bulls team getting absolutely wrecked by the Bucks would be like I don't even know how I'd feel about that. But back to Larry Mark and let's pull up his December numbers just to kind of look at just the difference of what he's done. It was against the, he was awesome in that Wizards game. And I didn't even mention that before. Larry Markin had an excellent game against the Wizards. He had 31 points, 12 of 19 shooting, 5 of 10 from 3. He had 9 rebounds in that game as well. He was a game-high plus 17. So, like, he he was good all game, and he helped keep them in it. And he was obviously a big part of the comeback as well. I know he had a big 3 in that game. So, And that game in general, he was definitely aggressive going into the basket, finishing through contact. And that's 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 one thing we definitely have not seen him do much. Like when he's put the ball on the floor and trying to go into the basket, it usually is a disaster. He either gets stripped or he tries some like ill-fated dunk attempt. Like we saw all that stuff in the beginning of the year when he was trying just all those insane dunks and just like was not close in any of them. Okay, so let's look at these numbers here. So in uh he started the year poorly in uh the a few October games. Uh, 17 points, but only that was basically thanks to that first game where he had 35. He only shot 39% overall, 21% from three. So that was brutal. Now, November, 12 points a game, 33% shooting overall, 31% from three. That's absolutely terrible. 12 points, six, six boards, two, under two assists, do, not really making an impact on defense. I mean, that's, that's a bad NBA player right there. That's awful. Now in December... We're at 17.6 points per game, 6.6 rebounds, so the rebounding is still not great. He did have 17 rebounds in that Clippers win, but the shooting, much better. 51.4% overall, 41% from three. Still not getting to the line of much. He still has had a few clunkers in that uh, the OKC game, only at 13 points, three rebounds. Uh, this Pistons game was was nice balance scoring after Levine, so he had a solid 15.7 rebounds in that game. Um, so, I mean... Some of it's just, I think, making shots. He's going from getting up to 41% from three, getting a bit more comfortable. I do wonder about the injury, if that oblique thing really was bothering him. Obviously, he didn't really miss any time. Uh, but I do wonder, because they kind of mentioned it, and he just he just didn't look good playing. He looked slow. 
He just didn't really look explosive at all. Not that he's like the most explosive guy in general, but like he just looked like an old man out there. And I feel like he's looking at least a little more fluid now, playing with a bit more confidence, shooting with a bit more confidence. Like what I say, like, does it seem like they're really doing that much in terms of like his usage? I mean, he's only taking 13 shots a game. So like he's getting a little, a few more shots a game compared to last month, but it's not like it's that much bigger. He's shooting a similar like three point rate is a similar amount. He's taking seven threes a game this month. That's, about 50, 50 to 60% of his shots have been threes, so I think some of it's just probably the sh- general streakiness of him. Maybe he's a bit healthier. He's just getting a little more confident because, I mean, he, he's been kind of a streaky player in his career. We've seen him go through stretches where he's great. We've seen him go through stretches where he's bad. It's tough to say, but it is nice to see him playing better. Like I get, I do think we're in a situation where we probably do have to temper his overall like big-picture ceiling expectations where maybe he's not that all like legit all-star we were hoping but if he's at least a high-level role player who can shoot well from three for you even if he's not like dominating games regularly if he can at least be a solid consistent player or and he has these occasional games like this wizards game where he puts up 31 and 9 that's obviously maybe not the best thing for this bulls rebuild if we're looking like overall big picture in the next few years and how this team gets back to like title contention but at least he doesn't look like worst player in the nba bad like he did earlier this year yeah, and then the other thing that's really changed for the Bulls, I feel like, is just Levine taking his game to another level. Yeah. His December numbers are, again, a lot better than his November numbers. In November, he was averaging under 23 points a game. He's averaging over 26 points a game. In December, he was brilliant against the Pistons down the stretch last night, 5-7 from three-point range, consistently getting to the line, hits 10-14 of 14 free throws. Uh, you know, even had five assists in that game too. So Levine has been on a bit of a hot streak. I feel like, you know, the uh, this month has really shown sort of like the push and pull of Levine in crunch time because yep. he's totally bailed the Bulls out several times over the course of this month. He did it uh, against Washington, certainly. He really did it last night against Detroit. But, you know, you can also go back to the Toronto game earlier this month where he had... Gafford cutting to the basket ends up taking a shot where he had basically three guys on him uh he misses that Bulls lose so in terms of being like a consistent crunch time decision maker I think Levine still leaves a lot to be desired but he has been shooting the ball and scoring the ball a lot more effectively recently he's he's also just been taking a lot of shots he's taken over 18 shots a game this month uh so what have you seen out of Levine and how do you feel about Levine you know going forward because if he would have played like this in November the way he's playing right now we'd probably be looking at an all-star season right and I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's like completely out of the question for him to be an all-star still if he keeps these I mean he's averaging like 27 or 28 a game I think since that big Hornets game that he had uh when he put up 49 like he's putting up pretty pretty huge numbers so like if the Bulls could keep at least staying in this playoff race and they keep doing pretty well like I wouldn't say it's crazy because like obviously Kyrie's been hurt I guess Spencer Dinwiddie is going to take Kyrie's place on the all-star I, I'd have to look at like all, how all these other guys are doing but if he keeps playing well and he's I think he's he needs to do this against good teams more consistently we really haven't seen that as much he did have that nice game I think he had a pretty big game in that Clippers game and he obviously had some big shots on the stretch in that one he had the game winner he had the big three-pointer before that but I think if you look at his splits uh versus over 500 teams and like against the bums He's been awesome against bums. He's a great bum slayer. But uh, against some of these better teams, he just has not played nearly as well. Like you mentioned, that that the Raptors game was a great example. He only had 13 points on 5-14 shooting. He had that gaffe at the end of the game. Even that Heat game, that they had a chance to win. They lost in overtime. He had a fine game, 22 points 
on 8 of 15 shooting, so relatively efficient, but I, I think that was the game where he had, like, 20 points in the first half or something like that, and then didn't really, and then did, like, nothing down the stretch, and they lose that game. Again, those are two games against good teams that they had a chance to win. Like, the Bulls, like, they, they've been they've been just so weird. They, I feel like I tweeted this last week, or that Wizards game. They just, like, haven't had, like, a normal game. I guess this Pistons game was, like, the most normal game they've had recently because they've had so many of these close games and, like, blow, blown huge leads or games where they kind of fold down the stretch or or they come back down the stretch. It's just the consistency is obviously not there, which makes, I guess it makes sense for a young team with a bad head coach and you're, and you're playing against other blah teams it just kind of happens but even in these games against better teams like they keep finding ways to lose so that's gonna be a big thing for him moving forward I think with this schedule toughening up can he keep this going against good competition against good defenses uh I mean that could help determine if he winds up making the all-star game in Chicago I mean maybe there'll be some if if he if he does if he keeps scoring like this and he keeps being efficient I don't think it's out of the question like in terms of like the again if we're looking at the big picture stuff like I still don't think he's that no your number one player on the best team obviously the Bulls you want to be excited about them right now, winning a few games, taking care of business against these downtrodden teams. That's great. Like Levine putting up big numbers. That's good. That's at least they're taking care of business. We're the standards should be higher when we're talking about big picture and playoff content or like legit playoff contention and like actually winning playoff series, making making deep playoff runs. Do I think Zach Levine is the number one guy still? No, but it is nice to see him playing better. I still I, I've I've tried to defend him. I think he's still a really good NBA player. I, he still has obviously some flaws, but it's nice. It's been nice to see him make some better decisions down the stretch in some games. I mentioned those passes in the Wizards game where it looks like he might have learned from that Raptors debacle. So we will see if he can keep this going as the schedule toughens up and maybe make a charge for an All Star berth. Two other things I want to talk about. First is the offense. The offense has been garbage. Yeah, uh, number twenty nine out of thirty teams yeah, in the bad. NBA right now. So you know a lot of that comes back to how bad they were in November but even as as they've been winning a little bit more and getting better efforts out of their best players more consistently in December their offensive efficiency is still really bad essentially the Bulls are just mucking up games to stay in them by forcing a bunch of steals and that sort of transitions is my next point which is that Chris Dunn has been really good lately he was great against Washington 15 points uh he was all over the court in that game and you know, you saw the defensive pressure he brought against the Pistons last night. Only finished with nine points, but had four steals, had four assists, was contributing on the glass. Chris Dunn has really settled into a nice role. During a season where, you know, at the start of it, we were all speculating where he will get traded. Would the Bulls just dump him for nothing? This is another guy who's playing for a contract or playing for a contract uh, after the year. So, curious of your thoughts on both the offense and on Chris Dunn and sort of you know how you see both of those things playing out as the year goes on yeah I mean the offense it's it's the consistency is not there again they were great against the Pistons but the Pistons are awful and like and they they have games where they get hot from three we've seen them get have some games where they're super hot from three like I said they hit 18 threes last night they had the game against the Hawks another terrible defensive team where they get hot from three and they take advantage of that but on the other end like that that Hawks game, the game after that, they scored 73 points. Uh, I mean, that Clipper, the Clippers game, the Thunder game, they, they go through these lulls where they just can't score. Even I mean, even the Wizards game, they had 75 points against that. The Wizards are one of the worst. I think they actually are the worst defensive team in the league. They're, like, historically bad defensively, the Wizards. And the Bulls had 75 points against them through with, like, eight minutes left in the game. They finally got hot. And the Wizards just totally fell apart, and they were able to get it to, get it to overtime to go over 100 because I think I think before that the Wizard like two teams had not scored 100 against the Wizards. The Bulls got there, but they needed OT to do it. OT to do it. So it's just like 
they have games where they just can't hit the broadside of a barn and where the offense sometimes devolves into too much like just iso ball and Lowry's just not playing well. Like I, I don't know. I, I think they do miss Otto Porter. Like I, I don't want to make the injury excuse too much because I think the Bulls have actually gotten kind of lucky outside of Otto with injuries. Like if you think about it, like Levine, Lowry, Dunn, uh, Carter, like none of these guys have missed injuries. So it's like Porter and Hutch have Hutch is Hutch doesn't mean anything to me. Obviously, missing Porter has hurt their offense. He's a good, he's a great shooter. He sp- spreads the floor and all that. But I mean, the Bulls have still been mostly healthy outside of that. So the fact that they still have one of the worst offenses in the league, it's kind of crazy because I think coming in we all thought uh, that this would be the year where the offense would finally like catch up and they'd move forward and they'd have a fun offense while the defense would just completely suck. Uh, and it's been the exact opposite. The defense has helped them win games. Be competitive, muck games up, up like you said, uh, while the offense has struggled. So I, I'm not. I, I still think the offense should. I kind of think the offense is going to come up a bit more while the defense will probably come back down to earth once they start playing some of these better teams. Like uh, teams don't shoot well from three against them. I think the, the turnover thing is obviously real. Chris Dunn has been this kind of transitioning into the Chris Dunn thing. He has been a legit just force on that end with forcing turnovers, getting steals. Uh, I know Casey Johnson did a nice little profile on Dunn recently about just the art of, like, the pickpocket. Because, I mean, if you have a loose handle around Chris Dunn, he's going to take it away from you. And he's been doing that. He's aggressive, uh, jumping passing lanes. Sometimes it it can hurt him when he he gambles a bit. And he does get in a lot of foul trouble as well. But, I mean, the Bulls, like you said, they force almost 10 steals a game. Uh, They're best in the league in forcing turnovers overall. Uh, And just the aggressive nature of, like, Chris Dunn kind of at the head of that snake has been really impressive. And just talking about Chris Dunn in general, like, yeah, I mean, I was very down on Chris Dunn after last season. I think everybody was. John Paxson was. The franchise was. They tried to trade him, but nobody really wanted him. There was, I mean, what value was there in a in a not a, a totally non-shooter, not efficient point guard who I didn't even think he played that great defensively last year. Uh, I think he, he had his moments, but, like, he's always been pretty good at getting steals. But in terms of, like, making an impact defensively, it really wasn't there last year. He had games where he got torched. I know Trey Young really torched him. I think since that Trey Young game where Young torched him for almost 50 points, obviously he didn't torch just him, but the game Young almost had almost had 50 points against the Bulls. I feel like Chris Dunn took that game personally. He's made it a point to shut Trey Young's ass down since that game. But just in general, yeah, I mean, he's definitely built up his value again. It will be interesting to see if they try to trade him again at the deadline. Like, do they want to keep him? Like, would you keep him long-term? Like, I think he's still best. He has been starting. I still think he's best as... Like your sixth or seventh man off the bench, like you want to call him like the Marcus Smart type, a guy who can come in, he can play defense like crazy. Still, the offense might not be there. He has his moments offensively, but overall, he's still not an efficient player. But if he can be a legit game changer defensively, like does that change? If like, do you want to keep him around long term? Yeah, it's just like, what are you going to pay him? Like, I feel like right. for a team yeah. like the Bulls. I keep coming back to the Alfred Payton comparison for Chris Dunn. Uh, they're both averaging seven points a game. They're both really good defensive point guards. Dunn is better than Alfred Payton, but Alfred Payton yeah. got two years, $16 million. So I guess do you really want to invest $10 million a year in Chris Dunn, 8 to $10 million? Uh, I don't really think that that's probably in the Bulls' best interest. I mean, if their goal is to get the eight seed, then maybe it is. But right. you know, as you project this thing forward, it's like, you're really going to put a hard ceiling on yourself if you're extending Markinen, if you're locking yourself into Chris Dunn. I just don't see a lot of upward mobility for the Bulls in that case. So to me, I would flip Dunn uh, during this season as he comes up 
uh, for a contract next year. Now, obviously, Dunn has been a big part of the Bulls' defensive resurgence, so that would kind of be punting on your playoff chances. I don't expect the Bulls to do this because I think they're going to go all out to try to get the eight seed, but yeah. what the Bulls need more than anything to me is just assets, and they need sort of a way out to try to you know, accumulate as many bites at the apple as they can to try to find a star player because they don't have one right now. Uh, and, you know, looking down the road, I think the Bulls' plan was to land a star in 2021 free agency, but uh, it could happen, perhaps. We've never seen it happen under John Paxson, that's for sure. Who's the best Bulls free agent signing ever? Powell? Fad Young? Boozer. It's like a really bad list. So uh, I would probably try to flip Dunn instead of locking yourself into this core. It's something Paxson's going to have to think about, though, as he constructs this roster moving forward. Because right. even if they do make the eight seed this year, it's just hard to see their path to upward yep. mobility. <clears throat> Yeah, I was. That was, I think that Dunn situation just is kind of just like just reflects this whole thing. Like, how good can this core really be? Like, if you're playing for the, like, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think I would be surprised if they sell. Like, maybe they try to trade like Denzel for like a second round pick or something. But like, I would. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be right there. I, I don't think the Bulls are gonna melt down even with the schedule. I think they're showing that they're at least good, just good enough to stay in this. Probably. For the for the long haul in the playoffs, and in that case, I think they'll probably be going for the playoffs. And that in that case, I don't think they'll sell Chris. I maybe they will, maybe they'll prove me wrong. But they, yeah, again, if they win thirty five ish games and they sneak in the playoffs, like they'll probably think that's good enough. They're, like they'll roll with this core and think that oh, well, we made this jump this year. Like why can't we make another big jump next year? And it's just like I just don't know about that. And that's why this whole like, situation is just kind of weird. Where they have this bad record, but because of the race for the eight seed is so bad, like. Will that make that? Will that kind of blind them to the realities of their situation? Like, I would. I don't know. I think maybe. Like, I, it's hard to say. And like, that's why. Like, I don't know. Like, I like. I like to see them play. It's good that they're. I think it's good that they're playing better. That the fact that they're not a total disaster. Well, you could argue that could be a precursor to possibly bigger change. I mean, I, I would. Just, it just sucks watching your favorite team just be absolutely terrible. So like, the fact that they're at least not a complete dumpster fire. I think. And they're at least showing that they can beat some of these awful teams. I think I think that's good. Maybe I I, I did that poll recently where like sixty percent of Bulls fans who answered me, I think it was almost a thousand responses, said that they're root, they were rooting for the Bulls to lose games because that will bring about change. Whether that actually would bring about change, we never know because John Paxson seems like he's got a job for life. John Paxson loves Jim Boylan, so I think right, I feel like right now we're like trending towards a place where the Bulls win low to mid thirties. They'll either be in the playoff race till the very end, or they. Get that eight seed, get smacked by the Bucks, and then we're just kind of in a situation where, like, where do we go from there? And I'm not, and I don't really know. Like, I, I like a few of these guys. I mean, like I said, I think Zach's a good player. I, Lowry's not as good as I hoped, but I think he's still okay. Like, Wendell's a really solid player. Like, we'll see about Kobe White. And, like, Chris Dunn's kind of built himself back up, but like, where does that actually take you? If we're if we if our standards are high and we're thinking, like, if this is this team going to be a, like a title contender in the next couple of years, like. I don't see where that's happening unless they just get super lucky. Maybe they hit. Maybe it, there's a star asked out. A the next disgruntled star asks out, and the Bulls are able to jump on something like that, or they get lucky in 2021 free agency. But like you said, we really can't bank on that because I don't think I feel like the Bulls don't have a good reputation around the league. Like the people, I feel like they're I, I, they're not as much of a lacking sock as like the Knicks are, but like I think they kind of still are to a lot of people. Like analysts kind of just don't look and players I mean the Jabari Parker the quotes that he had recently like just kind of clowning on the Bulls like I feel like that's probably a pretty prevalent thought around the league like they just don't have that great reputation so like bank and free agency is tough so it's just like yeah 
even if they do make the playoffs as an eight seed this year, which is, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this up. Looking ahead, here's the Bulls schedule over the next week on monday they get orlando and then the bulls have a long break they don't play until Christmas, saturday yeah. uh when they play hawks. the hawks and then you're home against milwaukee home against utah home against the celtics on the road against dallas on the road against new orleans so uh, the bulls are playing some actual real teams i would expect them to beat atlanta the bulls just own atlanta yeah. this season uh and then you know Milwaukee, Utah, Boston, even though those are home games, those teams are just a lot better than the Bulls on both yeah. ends of the floor. The Orlando game is going to be fascinating because that game is going to set the discourse for the next week of Bulls basketball. Yep. So if they win that game, they're going to be in a tie for the eighth seed. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if they can pull it off. It's going to be a really fun game to watch. And, uh, you know, Hopefully they can do it. I guess. Yeah, I I kind of expect them to win. I'm just not impressed by the Magic at all. Like they have their guard plays garbage. Is I, I don't want to say garbage. But like, I mean, Fultz has been like a nice kind of comeback story, but he's still not that good. I mean, DJ Augustine is fine. Like Fournier is okay. Aaron Gordon is terrible. Like he's like we talk about Lowry being a disappointment. If you look, go look at Aaron Gordon's numbers, they are absolutely atrocious for like what was expected of him and the contract he has and what people thought he could be. He's been absolutely awful. Like Jonathan Isaac is a fun defensive player, but his offense is still kind of lagging behind. So like that team just and Vucevic is good, but he just came back from injury. That team is just not impressive to me. Like you said, they have been playing a really tough schedule lately. Uh, so maybe they come back and they come back home and they play well against a Bulls team. It will it will be fascinating. Like I said, I kind of think the Bulls are going to win. Maybe that's just me being a little more optimistic about the Bulls kind of beating some of these lesser teams lately. But uh, and that and that Hawks game, I'll actually be in the building for that Hawks game. That'll be my first Bulls game uh, in attendance of the season. Like you said, the Bulls have owned the Hawks this year. They've blown them out twice. Kind of expecting that again. The Hawks are a joke. They're six and twenty-four. They had. Like, they were a team kind of talked about with the Bulls as a team that could possibly make a jump up the standings. And the John Collins suspension just completely nuked their season. Uh, they're really young. There have been rumors about Trey Young getting upset and frustrated in the locker room and delivering, like, long rants. Uh, Cam Reddish is bad. DeAndre Hunter is bad. They're, just, like, they're rookies. It happens. Kobe White. Kobe White's been had had moments, but he's overall been bad. So, like, it happens when you got such a young team. So, yeah, the Bulls have a great chance to get to win what would be four games in a row. They have a really good chance to do that coming up here uh, with Christmas coming up this week and all that. So it'll really be interesting to see how they handle that. Uh, one one last thought here before we finish up here. Uh, there was some controversy after that Thunder game. After the Bulls blew that big lead, Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. took a picture on on the floor with uh, with Chris Paul, who basically I think both players played on like CP3's AAU team. Uh, Kobe White... I, uh, I, Chris Paul, I believe, is Kobe White's like one of his mentors. Like he's been really close with the family and all that stuff. Kobe White's brother was on Twitter, kind of calling that stuff. Like people, uh, people, the criticism. Like people were going wild about that. Like it was on Twitter. Like I had guys, I had people in my mentions like going nuts about like how that it, it was such a bad look. It was it was talked about on the radio the next day on Chicago Sports Radio. What what did you think about that? I I said that night like, man, like. This day and age, like Kobe White and Chris Paul are really close. Obviously, Wendell had that link to him too. Like, I mean, that's not a, that the kind of thing wasn't a big deal, right? I know maybe not the best of looks, but like, honestly, like who really cares about that stuff? Like, I don't think Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. are like le- any less competitive, any less of the competitors for taking a picture with Chris Paul, even after a twenty-six point blown lead. Yeah, who cares? I mean, I've seen both those guys play for Team CP3, which yeah. is uh, CP3's 
grassroots team on Nike's EYBL circuit. I remember the—so that was the second time I saw Carter play because his rising junior year, he was on this team called the Georgia Stars with, I think, Josh Koji was on that squad. They had an absolutely loaded roster if you look it up. So that was his rising junior year. They won Peach Jam, which is the championship on the Nike circuit. And then the next year, he transferred to play for CP3. And I remember walking into the gym in Indianapolis, ready to get a look at Wendell Carter. And the first thing I saw was him hitting a pick-and-pop three. And I was immediately like, wow, this guy's going to be a, a pretty <laughs> special prospect moving forward. So just in general, who cares? I mean, I, I tweeted it right away that I knew yeah, the relationship I saw you, yeah. those guys had. Uh, with CP3. So I'm glad that the Bulls actually could string together a couple wins after that so it doesn't remain like a dominant talking point. Yeah. Uh, not a good look, Twitter. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I had some people just like super mad. They're just like, I mean, I, I, and I like some people are just like the, they go back to like the MJ Kobe stuff, like all oh, like the ultimate competitors. Like they'd never do that. It's like, man, like I said, this day and age and this in the league now, like some of these guys are like friends. Like, like I said, and they were meant like CP3 was a mentor to these guys. Like they're taking a picture after a game, man. Like we know these guys like care about winning and losing. We like just settle down, chill out about that kind of stuff. Like whatever. All right, that, that's it. Any any final thoughts? We good here? I think we're good. All right, awesome. So yeah, so uh, we got Christmas coming up. Like I said, two Bulls games this week. We got the holidays coming up. We got Christmas coming up. So Merry Christmas, Happy Annika to wh- whatever holidays you may celebrate. Happy holidays uh, to everybody from us here at Cash Considerations. Uh, as always, shout out to Blue Wire Pods. We had a great year here at Blue Wire. Big growth. We're hoping for big things coming up in 2020. Just shout out to them for all the work that, they, that they've been doing and all the work that they've done to help us out here at Cash Considerations. Uh, for us, please, as always, rate and review us wherever you listen to our pods. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those great places. So, for Cash Considerations... This has been Jason and Ricky. Take it easy, guys. We'll talk to you in a week. The Bulls might be in the eighth seed when we talk to you guys next. Take it easy, guys.